The world didn't need another hockey podcast. It needed a better one. Bear witness to the two-man forecheck. Good morning, Chris. Good morning, Mike. It is uh, the end of the very first month of the season. Most teams are about 10 or 12 games in. And you are very, very excited by one or two things. I am intrigued by many things and going to make my annual statement. Your annual statement. It's a little early for that, isn't it? Nope. Uh, Well, one of my annual statements. Okay. I don't give a steaming pile of popcorn about October standings. Well, they yeah, because if you look at the standings now, they the don't teams need anything. That, the teams that, yeah, they, they they can't possibly because the teams that aren't in, as far as you know, wild card setting. If you go to standings in the NHL and you use wild card and you look at it and you go, oh my god, in the East, the the Maple Leafs, the the the. The Tampa Bay Lightning. Half of last season's playoff teams in the East are out. Yeah. And Washington, Tampa, the Rangers, no, more than Pittsburgh and Toronto. All of those were playoff teams last year. Yeah. All of them are currently sitting outside the playoffs. And then then you look at it and you go, oh, my goodness, Philly's actually ahead of, well, they have the same win percentage as Carolina. They're both five, two, and one, and they both have the same goal differential. And it's like, yeah, they they can't. I mean, it's nice to watch Boston having the start of the season that they've had. And we've discussed this. It's awesome. Prior to the show. It's awesome to watch, but you got to take into account that out of those nine games they played, six of them have been against fodder. Exactly. There were three legitimate teams and they lost to one of the teams that they shouldn't have lost to. I'm sorry, Senators fans. I love the potential of that team. Absolutely. Two years from now, whether the DJ Smith haters get their way or not, that that's a legit playoff team, a legit contender. And they really don't even have to add much along the way. But there's no way that the Boston Bruins, if they had shown up uh, in more than a physical sense, should have lost that game. Um. And it's not just the East. I mean, we described the West as mushy for three years because it is. Um, Dallas is the best team in the West is not something I, or even the second best team in the West is not something I can. I just can't can't do that one. Yes. But Seattle as a playoff team. <laughs> OK, so. Seattle and Los Angeles, both as playoff teams and both with negative goal differentials. Nah. And I think of all the teams, I think L.A. has the most potential to stick. Seattle's not going to stay there. I don't think Chicago's going to finish third in the central. But you look at it and you go, oh, my goodness, Colorado is out. Minnesota's out. St. Louis and and Nashville. These are teams that have been in the playoffs, whether they've gone deep or first, second round, whatever. But four playoff teams are sitting on the outside looking in. Uh, so yes, early 
you can't make a more obvious statement than to say that early you know October standings don't mean anything. I get it because there's no way in the world you're actually going to convince me. Literally no way on this planet you're going to convince me the Anaheim Ducks are the worst team in the NHL. It, I didn't think so. I mean, mm. I mean, minus 20 goal differential, they've won one game. I mean, yeah, no. Uh, so we were, uh, I asked you the arguably the most pressing question of the early season. Uh, about uh, 10, 12 minutes before we uh, hit the magic button to start recording. Who is going to be the first head coach uh, let go? <laughs> Did you, you didn't, uh, you, I mean, I jokingly, I, whenever you ask me that question, the first thing I do is check to see uh, if the Pugulas are in town. That's usually my first that's usually my first action is I have to see if the Pagulas are a town. Have they gone on vacation? As you said, you know, as far as I know, Don Granado is still head coach, so they haven't fired him. I honestly. Don't know that. I mean, I don't think Brad Larson is I mean, they're in a quote unquote wild card position. And again, standings don't matter. I don't it. it I don't think Brad Larson looks like he could be one of, uh, I'd say a, a group of three that have that distinction of being possibly first fired. I mean, not in Detroit, Brad Larson, Columbus, excuse me. Uh, Lalonde is in Detroit and Lalonde's not going and Columbus is terrible. But I honestly think that, I honestly think that Kika Linen is going to allow Larson to, uh, use as much rope as he can either to hang himself or to climb out of the hole. I know that they, they know they have a struggling team. They brought in Goudreau. Wonderful. You, you won the Goudreau sweepstakes surprisingly. Um, but you haven't had Corpus Allo. You've got Wierenski on defense and then can you name the rest of the defensemen? No, no. Uh, line a is still streaky and, Still streaky and a deficit in his own end. So, I, I mean, I think Larson is st- – I still – I guess I'd say Larson, but I don't think so. I mean, I – I'm I'm starting to wonder if it's not going to be Dallas Eakins in Anaheim. That There's no way that team should be that bad. I like, didn't not. think – I didn't want to think it, but it, it's – yeah. I thought that – I mean, yeah, this is I'm, the final year of his contract, according to uh, according to our mysterious sources. Um, so if they let him go, eh? I mean, I I think that in some ways they overachieved late last season, um, but they've got such a great young core there too. Um, sure, they've got a lot of older players mid career, but when you look at Troy Terry. And Trevor Zegris and Mason McTavish, um, that's that's a lot of firepower. Mm-hmm. Um, and you got Jamie Drysdale, you've got uh, John Klingberg, Cam Fowler. Um, it's not a bad team. They should be better than this. 
And I don't know how much of it is the players just didn't get the memo that it was going to be a full season again, or and how much of it is the coach just eh, not the right person. I mean, sure, John Moore is injured, and that's a big, big blow to the team. Okay, not really. Um, <laughs> okay, not really. But they should. <clears throat> I would be. Ex- I would be enormously frustrated if I was, if I was leadership for the Ducks right now. I don't think that they're quite a playoff team, although in the West it's hard to discount anyone. Um, even the Vagabond Dogs. Um, and I know he's only been there a hot minute, but what about Bruce? In Vegas? Bruce Boudreaux. Oh, okay. <laughs> I mean, they're not having. Can I say that? Can I say the same thing about him that I said about Travis about Travis Green? Not his, I, it's not his issue. It's the it's the roster. You're not wrong. It, well, that's what I'm, I mean. Again, it, it's the old adage of throwing. You know, you're changing the wrong thing. You know trying something different and trying the same thing and expecting a different result, whatever you had, Travis, Travis, good head coach had that team going and the team kind of went, eh. And then when they weren't responding, you fired him and you brought in Boudreaux and they had a little bit of a, a honeymoon bump. And then they went, eh, at some point you have to recognize that it might not be the coach. So you're saying that uh, leadership keeps changing the tires when the engine's knocking? Yes, we're replacing the wrong parts. Um, I, I do have I, I do dis- have one more name for you in my band of three because Larson was one. Um, I I think that yes, Eakins is two. The third of my party of three, and yep. this one may make some people unhappy. But unfortunately, when you look at the standings and you go, things haven't changed yet. Uh, DJ Smith. This is his fourth season with the Senators. It is. Um, I still think that that roster still has enough big holes that it's hard to blame the coach. Um, But it wouldn't necessarily surprise me. Um, I'm not saying he's going to be the, I, I don't, I honestly don't think he, even if he did get fired, he's not going to be the first one gone, but oh, in, I think this of note there is that Artem Zib and Josh Norris have both had injuries. Norris has been out since the 24th or went on the injured reserve on the 24th. Um, Artem Zub just went out. Um, and you have Cam Talbot out, you have. Cam, I mean, Cam Talbot's been out. It, it, that's not. Yes, but it leaves you with Magnus Helberg and Anton Forsberg. Yes. Not names that particularly inspire well, uh, great hope. No, Anton, Fors- Anton Forsberg came uh, out of what Chicago system and 
he didn't do well there and hasn't done. I mean, done... this season he's not terrible, terrible. He's got a 9.13 in seven games. Um, but that's down from last year with a 9.17 over 46. Um, less the, I don't believe that Magnus Helberg is going to uphold his 9.35. Um, yes, it's only been one game, but that's that's the thing. You don't know anything about him because he's only played like six NHL games. And he's been playing in the league since the 13-14 season. At I still the NHL think, level, he's still an unknown. I still think that it was addition by subtraction when Pierre Dorian managed to not manage to avoid the urge to bring back Matt Murray. That was... Uh, that was correcting a fault that shouldn't have appeared. Um, <laughs> he, re- that's the thing is, I, 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 when you look at Pierre Dorian, you go, "Wow, you know, he made." Pierre Dorian recognized the mistake, fixed the mistake. <laughs> fixed the mistake without having to give up assets to do so. Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, and this one will upset some people. In fact, I would kind of be upset by it myself. Um, I I picked this team to be at least in the Eastern Conference Finals you this did. season. They're sitting sixth in the East in the uh, wild card race. You can't get there from here. Uh, so Gerard Gallant for the no. Rangers. Nope. They they absolutely have to be in playoff position by New Year's. Like have to, because even with only a year under the belt for him, it, I, I do not see him making the end of the season. Do I think he's going to be the first coach out? Coach out? No, I, I think it's more likely to be. Um, Eakins or uh, one of the others that we've talked about, but his seat is already warming up. Wow. See, and I don't, I don't think Drury is going to be as quick to pull the trigger as, as I don't see. I, I don't think so. How can you look at that team and not blame the coach? Uh, because I saw what they did last year. I think this is a little bit of hangover and I think he needs I need I think he needs to snap them out of it and they need to snap themselves out of it. But how much has changed seriously? Adam Fox, Jacob Truba, Ryan Lindgren, Keandre Miller. Your top 4D. Yep. Aren't changed. They did lose Strom up front. They did lose uh, a couple of other players. Not uh, really hot. Not really a heartbreak losing Strom. Sorry. I mean, nice yeah, piece. But, nice piece. Put some points in, but you brought in Vincent Trocheck. Vincent Trocheck is a minus three through nine games. Scary. I, I just I'm. I don't think this is a. I don't think this is a coaching problem. I'm sorry. I don't think this is a coaching problem in New York. I think this is a somebody needs to snap these guys awake problem. Isn't that the coach's job? 
Yes, it is the coach's job, but these players also need to recognize that they're being well paid and they need to get their heads out of their rear ends and perform. You look at a team such as Boston and nobody was expecting them to be where they are because they are performing. And they, as, as Jim Montgomery so succinctly put it after the game against Columbus, they still don't have 63 and 73, which isn't really true. They do kind of have 50, 63. And if you look at the way he came back, I'm sorry, I, I realize it was against Detroit, but three points in one game, two goals and an assist. Uh, of all the players to return from injury, he is, uh, he is the one I'm most worried about in the short to medium term. I and I say that for uh, exactly the reason that uh, Billy Jaffe pointed out, or maybe it was Andy Brickley the other night. He thinks that just because he's pain-free, that he's back to 100%, which is possible. And no, he needs to take it easy. I, I like the fact that they're taking it slow with him, that they didn't let him play back-to-back, even though Krejci got hurt. Back-to-back and travel. Um, I... I am more worried about him than I am about McAvoy. McAvoy's injuries are – he hasn't let them go as long. But there's other and, reasons for not worrying about McAvoy. He, uh, wears number, he wears number 75 on his back, so. Uh, but as far as – as far as uh, the – as far as his injuries go, he has – he hasn't had them as long. Marchand said that he has had these hip injuries, these hip problems since 2014. He's been playing. Yeah, he said he, this, this is the first time years, in eight or nine years. I thought he said seven or something. This is the first time in seven years that he's felt pain free. And being pain free after a long period of time <sighs> is like a drug all by itself. I was going to say, it makes you think you can do things that maybe you shouldn't be doing. <laughs> and. When you look at him, when you genuinely look at him Mm -hmm. right now, he legitimately looks five years younger than he did this time last year. That pain being gone, for those who haven't experienced long-term illness or long-term injuries or chronic injuries or chronic uh, degenerative disorders like arthritis or disc disorders, or like a degenerative disc in your back or something like that. Yeah. Something happens where all of your pain goes away. Your brain and body do not adjust to it the way that you think they would. I've been there. And it's genuinely disorienting. And for a guy as competitive as Brad Marchand, which I truly, deeply, madly love about him, um, I am worried that he's going to get too deep into his uh, into his athletic maneuvers on the ice. Because if he gets back to the way he was playing in like the 2012-2013 seasons, yeah too fast he's gonna hurt himself 
Well, it's going to be a non-contact injury, and he's going to do something nasty to one of his hips or knees or. And I didn't. I, I wasn't trying to make this about Brad. I was just trying to use, uh, you know, as difference between a team that believes and a team that's kind of like, yeah, look what we did last year. We can do it again. Because that's where I think the Rangers are at. And yes, Gallant plays a part in that, but the players have to take some responsibility and they have to actually show up and play. I mean, as far as Brad, as far as Brad's concerned, just to tie a little bow on that, he said two things. One, he said that there was a time in the game where apparently he toe picked or, or did something and he got a little nervous and said, uh oh, but apparently nothing came of it. And I guess at the end of the Red Wings game, when they realized that Krejci wasn't going to be playing, he apparently called up Montgomery and said, all right, or texted Montgomery and said, all right, coach, my bags are packed. Uh, I'm glad that upper management kept level heads and said, no, 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 no. You stay home. <laughs> yeah. Uh, go home, spend time with your uh, family and uh, don't hurt yourself. Because I think that, yes, I think he's going to need to be managed a little bit. He may not like it, but I think he's at least from now until what, mid-December or something. I mean, or maybe Thanksgiving and something. He's going to need to be managed because he's going to want to come out of the, I, out of the gate full speed. I would legit, I would legitimately manage his playing time um, from now. Yeah, it's probably through the at least the first week of December. Yeah, so – but in the, with all that being, I don't think that Gallant should be fired at all. But I really don't think he's going to be the first to be fired. No, I I think we we covered uh, who's who's out first, uh, and my gut is telling me it's it's probably going to be either Dallas Eakins or Bruce Boudreaux. Wow, West Coast teams, and here but, I am thinking. But here, as I've said before, I think that the biggest problem with the Vancouver Canucks is that they're in a, one, they're an assembly of talent and not an actual team. And two, they lack that truculence. Um, okay. They just don't. I and, and I hate to say it. I think that all of this talk of. Uh, over the course of the last couple of years, and I guess it started with Green before Boudreaux, but all this talk of trading Patterson, trading Bor, trading Horvat, trading oh yeah, it, it, these guys are constantly and and I, I don't buy that these players all say oh we don't I don't listen to the radio I don't listen to sports radio I don't I, I don't know what's going on yeah even if they don't do. listen. Even if they don't listen, their friends and their family are texting them about that stuff or calling them about that stuff or it's it's there. I honestly don't. I I think that that all plays a part in the mental game. Yeah, it's hard to feel connected to your team when you're being told or when when you're constantly being speculated about. We've seen it from other players in other places. And as you pointed out, it's almost every star on that team. I mean, I've seen it about Pedersen. I've seen it about Horvat for sure. Obviously, um, Miller, JT Miller, until they signed his deal, and even now, the the 
even now the fans are not thrilled that they signed the deal and, and they want him gone. Um, who's the uh, uh, Besser, although he's currently injured. I've yep. seen Besser is always on trade. It's like the same names over and over again, and it's it's the stars that are getting paid the most, and who's getting moved, and who's it's like no stop, this is not helping your team. And one I saw one article about trading, and I know we talked about it, you know what if they tra- trade Thatcher Demko? Yeah, not happening. And by the way, don't mess with his head too, because then you're definitely leaving yourself vulnerable. If they. If, if the public manages to get into Thatcher Demko's head, this team is getting 32nd. <laughs> like, they're going to win the lottery because Arizona is at least honestly bad, but they're trying. This yeah. team has the talent to be at least a playoff contender in the Western Conference. I mean, you look at the numbers that Thatcher Demko has this year. How bad are they? And they are bad. He's got an 874 save percentage and a 4.05 goals against. I'm sorry, but that's not all him. You look at the numbers in prior last year, 915 save percentage, 272. Year before that, 915 save percentage, 285. Year before that was only a 905 save percentage. So he's gotten better. Down to an eight seventy four, something's going on. It's there's something about that team, and I it, it, it's and as you said, it's a collection of and I thought that way about the Red Wings until they brought in Eisenman, and slowly Eisenman is putting it together like he did in Tampa Bay. But that team for a long time was just a collection of talent. And yeah, put Jeff Blaschel in charge, and he was doing everything he could with a collection of talent. It wasn't a team, and that's the problem with Vancouver. They're not a team, and I know that J.T. Miller would love it for it to be, and I'm sure that Bo Horvat would love for it to be, and Pedersen would love to get back to where he was. It, it, no, you need some sort of cohesiveness, and it's not there. Absolutely. Uh, got that's, Go ahead. Yeah, no, yeah. I was just going to say, and that's that's the big issue, and I don't know if you can fire Boudreaux over it. Unfortunately, since they can't replace all the players, they replace the coach, and that's usually why. And they yeah, need so. to replace, like, five players, and it's not just stars. Like, honestly, they might need to replace players from forwards from two or three lines and then at least one defenseman simply to make the point that it's – collective responsibility that everyone needs to be better i hate collective responsibility as a rule but there are legitimately a near near nearly 100 percent of the players on that team can be doing better um you could focus a little bit more on vancouver and say they actually have made a move they did make a move they did pick up uh jack studnika from the boston bruins and they managed to unload uh, a couple of prospects. What's that? They also picked up Ethan Bear a couple of days ago. Ethan Bear. Yep. A- a- Ethan Bear and Lane uh, Lane Pedersen for a fifth round pick. Um, the prospects in I the missed that deal. Uh, yep, prospects in the Bruins pick, the Bruins trade, 
Michael DiPietro, the goaltender, and Jonathan Myrenberg, a right defenseman, um, Swedish, 6'2", 185, 19 years old. They picked him fifth overall or fifth round, uh, 140th in 2021. No mm-hmm. North American stats. Um, some A little bit of international hockey. He's played on the U16 teams, uh, U17s, and U18s. Um, I don't dislike what little I can see from those numbers. I think I think Stadnika. I, I, as much as I and and this does not in any way absolve Sweeney of anything, but instead of just letting Stadnika go by putting him on waivers to send him down and having some other team sign him, he actually got something for the asset. Yeah, if either one of these guys comes in and plays 20 NHL games, Sweeney wins the trade because Studnika was really never going to play here again, unfortunately. I don't know what the disconnect for him was. Um, I don't know if it was a confidence thing, a just his mental construction doesn't hold it together at the NHL level because – we met his family uh, back in his draft year. Mm-hmm. Super nice people. Like, yes. Uh, I I wish him the best, but uh, I don't know that. I think that he might be one of those guys who's also better off on a in a less media intensive area. And I don't know that Vancouver is going to be the best place for him. I think the I think my opinion it, it it's I don't know if it's so much a less uh, sport focused. I think the fact that no matter who is playing center, and the fact that I know you don't want to hear this, but unfortunately the captain is on the back nine. And every center that rolls through this town is the potential replacement. I'm oh, sorry that. to put that on anybody. Look, you, how are you going to follow the Hall of Famer? No, no. Stop torturing the new kids with this Bergeron replacement. You know, Bergeron 2.0. Even – I'm not saying Pozbaka Carlson was worth it or even that. I don't know that he was even that good, but I don't think that's fair to do to the kid. No, (laughs) JFK was, uh, in my less than humble opinion, not nearly as good as Spooner or the Russian kid whose name I can't remember right now that they drafted basically the same year. Shen? Uh, Pavel? Shen? No. Uh, same year as Spooner. Um, oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. I, I know who you're talking about. I can't think of the name. Yeah, okay. It'll come to me. Um, but I I don't think JFK was even anywhere near that good. I still don't think putting the moniker of but Bergeron I, replacement. On oh, no, no. That's, that's definitely problematic. I wouldn't even want to place the burden of replacing David Krejci on – some kid who's 17 years old when you talk to him the first time or 16 in his draft year because it's oh, uh, Kokolchev because it's 
Oh yes, Coco. Buggy. It just makes no sense. So they brought in Ethan Bear, they brought in Stanika, they're making moves. They're making moves, and we did a poll. Um, we're going to talk about that in a second. But Brandon Carlo went out for a couple of games with a with a, another concussion. Um, this is, I think, like his fifth concussion since. Is it that uh, many? I think it's five, yeah. I don't know what the number is. I think my concern was what he was saying, the concussion, or what he felt, the, the symptoms he was having during or right after it. Uh, right after he, here's, he, yeah. Here's the quote from uh, from when he was hit. Um, this came from Ian McLaren's Twitter. Um, I took the hit, and there have been times where you'll take a hit and kind of see stars. But I was skating up the ice. I really couldn't see the play," said Carlo. Once I got to the far blue line, I don't know if one of my eyes was black, but I couldn't really assess what was going on down the ice. So I went back to the locker room to let that cool off, and that's when doctors diagnosed it. Now, if you read the articles that have been on uh, on the internet uh, about Brandon Carlo and this injury, he's saying, the coaches are saying, his injuries have not been, his concussions have not been cumulative. Um... <laughs> not the way he described it. The if way he described the way cumulative. The way he described it, it sounds cumulative. I'm sorry. Even if that's not, even if they're not cumulative, even if we take what they're saying as absolute truth, that's a little terrifying. And how many more hits like this is he going to take before he just says, Mm-mm, "Can't do it." Want to remember who my mother is when she walks into a room. Um, and that's, that's pretty worrying. That's really kind of worrying. The thing is, since he's returned from it, he's looked pretty good. He looked solid. Like I, I can't really complain about his return. I just I worry every time and, and and I don't know if I want to feel that way. I do worry when I'm watching a Bruins game, but and he gets on the ice. What's going to happen if like the hit that he the hit where he got this concussion is what I'm coming to. It wasn't that big a hit. I didn't really see much in the way of head contact. Is. I know that, you know, Crosby going back several years, he had some concussion issues that were later linked to a neck injury. Uh, I have to wonder if there's a something else there, something that can be, you know, worked on and treated and maybe help prevent him from going out with this stuff. Um, because he's a big dude and he got hit and that's it. Like his, I mean, he's off the ice 20 seconds later and not seen for a week. Yeah. And there's at least one of the other hits that wasn't necessarily a huge hit. I mean, sure. The Tom Wilson hit should have been a multiple, multiple game suspension. 
Um, but this Wilson's one still a meathead. This one, if it wasn't for the timing of the hit, no one would have blinked. True. Um, so the Twitter poll about defensemen. I mean, I'm glad Carlo is back and. Oh, absolutely. Um, and, and and he looks like I said he looks pretty good. But your Twitter poll here. This one I found kind of fascinating. Um, I don't know if the votes for uh, the second two count as protest votes or people are really just out of their minds. <laughs> protest votes. <laughs> OK. Because a couple or last week tweeted out the NHL Bruins are to trade a defenseman. Who do you think would get the biggest return? Yeah. Brandon Carlo, Matt Grizzlick, Mike mm-hmm. Riley, Jake Zaboro. They're there in alphabetical order by last name because that's the way that I tend to do things. Well, it's the easiest way to not imply any sort of bias. Um, Zaboro got 2.4% of a reasonable chunk of votes, well over 100. Mike Riley got 8.1%. Mm-hmm. Matt Grizzlick got 382 and Brandon Carlo got 51-2. I disagree slightly with this because of the top stuff that we've been talking about. Okay. Grizzlick's injuries are really obnoxious, but they haven't affected his skating and they haven't been concussions. I mean, I'm looking at some of the comments that we got on the poll, and, and uh, I mean, Grizz is being paid way too much. And, well, no, sorry. Uh, I just I I feel that when I look at these results, where the voters are coming from, in my opinion, I'm not speaking for anybody. I'm saying in my opinion, where these votes are coming from appears to be. Brandon Carlo is more the prototypical defenseman or the defenseman that people have in mind when they think of a defenseman. He's big. He's got size. Grizzly is 5'10", 11, 10, 9. He's listed at 5'10", and um, I actually am 5'10". I don't believe that Mr. Grizzly is quite the same height as me. I just I don't I don't see it. And I think that that's where it's coming is. And Brandon Carlo is definitely more defensive minded. Not saying that Grizzly isn't. He's a defenseman. Don't get offended. No matter what you say, you're always offending. Grizzly is a legitimate two way defenseman. Yes. And he's shown that actually in since his return, he's actually shown that. I mean, that goal is sweet. Brandon Carlo, and he's done more shooting and he's gotten a little bit more involved recently than I've seen in the past, but he's still more defensive minded. If you were to pair the two of them up, Grizzlick would be the one going deeper into the zone. Carlo would be the one hanging back near the blue line. I just think that I, I think that that's one reason why he would get more votes. I tend to think that Grizzly would probably get 
way more than I think that he'd bring back as much as Carlo. I mean, if you recognize the talent that's there, I think that Grizzly could be just as valuable. And it even and again, maybe even more so with the injury bit with the the injury bug that has hit both of them. I think Brandon I think it's a little more of a concern than it is with Grizzly. If you look at the two of them uh, this season, uh, both of them have played five games at this point. Mm-hmm. Um, Grizzly has four points in those five games. Carlo has none, but is still a plus four, which is honestly pretty impressive. Um, Carlo only has five shots on net in six game in five games. Grizzly has thirteen. Yeah. Um. And the time on ice is somewhat shocking because uh, Brandon Carlo, yes, he went out early in that in the game where he went down, but 16:46 for Brandon Carlo versus 18:21 uh, for Matt Grizzly. That's that's kind of a gap. And both of them are less than the other guy. So, uh, if you're talking about uh, Connor Clifton and. <laughs> Or Derek Forbert, who have been the best defensive pairing for the season, hands down, no questions. Uh, please don't talk to me about it. Um, no, uh, you're not in any way incorrect. I love the pairing. I don't think they should be broken up until they stop performing well. Um, the, the fact that they sent, I thought it was very telling, the fact that they sent Mike Riley down to Providence. And Mike Riley was playing good Mike Riley hockey, yes. so he wasn't terrible. And I don't think he's ever been terrible, except for his forgetting that he's allowed to shoot the puck. Um, but they but, sent him down over Zaboro. They sent him down over Connor. They sent him down. I mean, you're not going to send down Lindholm. You're not going to send down forward. I don't think that there at this point there's no one they can send down who's not going to get picked up on on waivers. Period. Period. I'm surprised that Riley cleared them, to be quite honest. I am too, and I suspect that that's because the teams at the bottom either believe that they're genuinely uh, just underperforming at the moment and don't want to shake up the locker room yet, mm-hmm. or because they want to be at the bottom and don't want anyone coming in with something to prove and pushing them up the standings. <laughs> yes, we don't we don't want to make it look like we're actually moving up. <laughs> uh, we can't we, we can't go winning, guys. How are we going to explain that to the fan base? <laughs> no more than one win a month, dude, guys. But uh, the. I told you I was going to say something uh, that was going to make some of the neighbors unhappy. Yes. You did um, inform me of this. Thank you for the warning. And But I don't know when it's supposed to come. So uh, It's going to come right now. Ooh, okay. Um, I'm so here now. it is. Plain and simple. The best defenseman in the Bruins system right now healthy or not, is Hampus Lindholm. And it's not close. So glad I'm sitting down because that is just shocking to me. I have seen Hampus Lindholm do stuff 
this season in nine games that I have not seen from a Bruins defenseman in decades. He was brought in to be the best defenseman on the team. He was brought in to be the number two defenseman on the team. That was the expectation. First of all, you need to stop thinking in terms of the Hall of Famer being the best defenseman on the team. I didn't say I believe that. (laughs) He's not. (laughs) When I look at when I watch Hampus Lindholm playing right now. I love Hampus Lindholm, by the way. When I watch Hampus Lindholm playing right now, he is Mm -hmm. not only better than I thought. And I did not have any complaints about that trade. No, that was actually that was a big get for the Bruins, and that was a much bigger loss for Anaheim than even Anaheim was willing to admit. I don't. Campus Lindholm was definitely their number one, and he is his ability, his skating, his his zone entries. He's got a he's got a nasty little shot that you don't expect. He he sees the ice so well, and to actually be actually be playing. In I'm going to say this out loud to actually be playing in a recognizable system. Oh wait, you're you're implying something about someone who's no longer here, aren't you? I am kind of. Yeah. Is that okay? <laughs> Absolutely. Unfortunately, uh, or fortunately for him, the team that he's currently coaching is still successful. So I don't know how much more we can bash the guy. There's but still it's not winning. the playoffs, so. This is true. This is very true. But if you watch his, he sees the ice. And he covers a lot of ice. He's physical. I think that right now he's taken a, the one knock I have on him right now. And it it's, is that I think he's taken a couple of stupid penalties. You know what? I don't care. But the fact that, you like, he's he's actually not your number one penalty kill defenseman. So if he takes stupid penalties, I can kind of accept it. His 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 issues right now stem from one uh, trying to do slightly too much. And I mean, slightly. And to the fact that he's really, really enjoying playing hockey right now. I think, yeah, he I think even ahead of Olmark, he might be the happiest guy in even ahead of Nick Foligno, who's had a resurgence that was tough to predict. He's had a really fun season to date. I, I'd be inclined to agree. I think that I think Hampus Lindholm, I think the years of mediocrity with Anaheim and unfortunately, that's what it that's what it's been. I know that they brought in that you know you got all the young guys now. You got Segrist, you got Drysdale, you got Troy Terry. You got it's a they're building a strong base, but they've been so mediocre for the last half decade that the fact that they are winning games again and being in the position that they're in. Yes, it's only nine games, but to be eight and one and he's out there, he's being physically. He just he looks relaxed he looks comfortable he just is not like i said the the only knock i have is he's taking a couple of stupid penalties but not a huge problem i can deal with that he's got 12 penalty minutes in nine games yeah but it's not it's not the it's not the number of minutes it's that there there have been a couple of times where he's 
taking stupid penalties in the situation that they were in. I'm not, I'm not, that, the fair. amount of minutes is not the issue. It's just the timing. That's fair. But I, I I'm having trouble caring given how well he's played. Oh, I love watching Hampus Lindholm. I did when he was with Anaheim. It was fabulous. I mean, uh, I used I, to think that he and Shea Theodore and then, oh, wait, Shea Theodore went to Vegas. That was a brilliant move by Anaheim upper management. Oh, anyway. Um, so we'll finish. Let's finish off with the other, other, other Bruins defense story, because uh, apparently it's all about the D right now. They've been doing a hell of a job that the, I mean, as you said, Forbort and, and Clifton, number one pairing. Uh, there's really not a whole lot of argument to be made there. So the issue, three. though, is that McAvoy is going to be coming back soon. I suspect I, know. I, I suspect know. he'd be pushing real hard to be on the ice right now if the Bruins were not in cap purgatory. Um, they have no cap space. Nope. No functional cap space. And he's a $9 million player. They have 1.185. Um, we were talking about the need, uh, for, to do, well, to get him back on the ice because yes, he's, he is more valuable than Jacob Lauko. Um, whatever, whether you think that he's a hall of famer, true number one defenseman or not, um, he's, he's more, he's more valuable than Jacob Balco. He's more valuable than, uh, than Mike Riley or Jack Ashan or Nick Wolf, um, or whoever else is in the system. Mm-hmm. They need to move someone possibly, probably more than one someone. And, Honestly, I think there are three forwards who I could just say, yeah, don't need you. Um, I don't know that the Bruins would be broken by losing all three of them. Certainly not by losing any two of them. Um, And those guys are Craig Smith, who finally got his first goal. Pavel Zaka, who I definitely don't see as a replacement for... Eric Holla. I don't think he's as good a player. Uh, and Nick Foligno. Between those three players, you're talking 10.4 million. Uh, and that's before you get to the two uh, the two players who are counted as buried and still contributing to the cap. And that's Chris Wagner and Mike Riley. Mm-hmm. Uh, together, that's something like $12.5 million. Uh Oh, okay. Combined with the other, I was going to say it's 2.1 that's buried. You're not, obviously you're not going to trade all five and it would be kind of silly to trade all five. And Mike Uh, Riley's only buried because he was sent down. So the minute they call him up, doesn't that money start hitting the cap again? Yes. But like Chris Wagner, he could realistically be playing in the NHL this year. He looked really solid. And I was surprised when he didn't, break camp with the Bruins this year. Fair enough. Um, Mark McLaughlin, I could be very comfortable with him. I think he's going to contribute at least as much as Zaka or, um, 
over the season. If you if if you really believe in Fabian Lysel or or and or Jack Beecher, maybe you say, look, we're going to make a trade in a couple of weeks. Be the guy that we call up. And then watch and see what they do uh, for Providence. I mean, Lysel is having a solid, solid pro pro debut right now. Like I, I don't see them making any moves on Zaka though. I understand where you. I don't see them moving Zaka either. If they could move the other two, I mean, based on what we've seen out of Craig Smith in the last couple of years, yes, veteran steadiness is nice. I think you need to. Strike while the iron is hot with um, Smith and Felino. With Felino, definitely with Felino. Moving him at the beginning of the season or at the end of last year, smart on Sweeney for not doing it because I don't think you would have gotten anything for him. Oh, you would have had to pay to get rid of him. But yeah, right now, you had to pay to get rid of him. The fact that he and like I and like I said to you last week, the you know. You said five, if he has five goals in 12 games. I said, there's no way he's going to have five goals in 12 games. Well, we're nine games in. He's got three. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> Granted, he slowed down and he doesn't, he hasn't had any in the last couple, but he's got four points in nine games. Uh, hey, guys, here's a guy, here's a, th- here's a bottom six forward who's still physical, who still, uh, you know, can bring the energy. And he's putting the puck in the net like he did before last season. You know, what do you give me for him? And at this point, as long as the Bruins don't have to take back salary, whether they get a third round pick, second round pick, uh, you know, two fourth round picks, whatever. Um, as far as Craig Smith goes, yeah, he had 16 goals last year, but he was amazingly inconsistent. Yes. He'd have a one-week hot streak, three weeks of not mattering, uh, and then come back with a goal, and then it would be another week and a half, 10, 10 12 days of nothing, and another goal. Um, and the thing is, when they brought him in, when they brought him in, they wanted more wingers for the top six forwards since then. Okay. He's been pushed to the bottom six. Yeah. Debraska has been playing better. And even when they talked to him after the Columbus game and he just sounds like a different play, you know, last year was like, you know, last year was last year trying to find his game this year. It's improving on his game and doing this and doing, he sounds like a different player. he, they're in, and yes, the honeymoon period. We're only nine games into the season, but they seem to like playing for Montgomery. I I would I will even go further and say that as much as I like Jake DeBrusque and I defended him through even the worst of his play, mm-hmm. I kind you of did. finished growing up. He's I, actually he's actually an adult now. Yeah. I, I think he like he sounded like it. Turned a couple of corners. He sounded like it when they talked to him after the game on Friday night in Columbus. Uh, uh, it's not so just fierce. voice or body language or saying the right things because it we was, know that there's players who have said the right thing their entire career who I never really believed it from. It's 
it's, it's the total package. That's what I was just about to say. The same exact words. It's the whole thing. You put it all together. What it 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 is it is what he's saying, how he's saying it, what he looks like, how he's carrying himself. But it's all of it. It's not one area. It's all of it. He does. He looks, sounds, acts, plays. He's he's grown up. And some of it. Well, I think that. I don't necessarily. Okay, I was never a Cassidy fan. <laughs> I still I firmly know, believe but... that. I still very firmly believe that there was there are definite reasons, and I think that we saw those during his tenure that he stayed in the in the AHL for so long, and if he can't get Vegas, at least to the second round this year and next, he might be done in the NHL for a while. He might end up in a booth somewhere. Again, he's being like with the Bruins. He's being handed a team that is loaded with talent. Eichels, much healthier than last year. What's that? And much much healthier than last year. They had like forty million dollars on the injured reserve uh, in, in Vegas at one point last year, or pretty close to it. I mean, they had. I mean, they had Eichel, who's 10 million. They had Stone. Carlson was out there, was out for a while too. Um, they had, who was it? Theodore was. Was it Theodore who was injured or hmm. Alec Martinez? Uh, they they legit had a third of a of a roster uh, in cash in cap hit on yeah. on the injured reserves was one of them. Yeah. Um, I mean, right now we know that uh, I don't think any of us expect Shea Weber to ever play again. Uh, Robin Leonard was a surprise and a disappointment. Um, but Patrick Nolan also there. Wait, 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 wait. Disappointment? Robin Leonard? Uh, it, it's disappointing to see him injured when he's capable. Of oh, something. OK. I was going to say, did, like when you say I, is, Robin Leonard is a disappointment. Uh, no. You know, as a hockey fan. I enjoy not only seeing him on the ice, but seeing his perspective on things when he opens his mouth. I mean, sometimes that perspective is a little tiny bit weird, but um, now they've got a legitimate top 10 center in the league. Whether you think that Eichel is number 10 or you think he's number one, it's irrelevant. Mm -hmm. He's a a legit top 10 center. Um, You've got Stone, who's arguably the best right wing in the league, certainly somewhere in the top five. Okay. And you've got a lot of solid players behind them. Like I know he's a third, fourth line depth guy. I would love to have Keegan Colasar on the Bruins. I know you would. You've said that. And I, I agree with you. I think that he's, yes, I think he's decent. Um, um, even as much would, as like AJ Greer, I would take Colasar over him in a skinny minute. The one guy that I really want, the one guy that I would really want on this team, and this might throw some people off only because it's not the it's not one of the big names. Chandler Stevenson. Oh, when, he was when so Vegas big. when Vegas stole him away from Washington. He wasn't part of the expansion. They made a deal for him after, and it was you know, during the season or whatever it was, and it was 
basically Washington got like a sixth round pick or something. It was ridiculously low. It, it, they stole Chandler Stevens. I was like, that's heartbreaking. I really would have liked to have seen him in a Bruins uniform. And he's done nothing but perform for Vegas since then. And Hard to argue that there's anything wrong with the trade when last year, you know, he made 2.75 and put up 64 points in 79 games. 64 yeah. points in 79 games. Mm-hmm. 21 goals, 43 assists. Um, I see. I thought he was absolutely fantastic during uh, the Washington's Cup run. Um, and that was his first full season in the NHL. Yeah. He played 67 regular season games, all 24, um, and that 18, 17, 18, uh, season when they finally, finally, finally won. I was trading 19. My apologies. I got the years wrong. Uh, but it was, it was, if I remember correctly, the, the deal itself was like, it was a steal. I mean, but yes, what he what he did against Vegas in in the in the playoffs, yeah. Fifth round and, pick, Ty Merchinson uh, was the return for Chandler Stevenson. It was a fifth. Okay, I said sixth. I knew it was low. Best of all, Ty Merchinson isn't even Caps property anymore. He's he's on the Flyers reserve list. Um, and playing, he's actually playing at Arizona State. Yeah. And to try and attempt to get this bus back on the uh, on the road, Bruins need to move a bunch of cap. Yes. If for some reason or if they could find a way to move Polino and Riley in a package. That that gets the most of the way there, but they probably still need to make another move to get back under the cap. Um, if we're talking about one of the guys in our, in our little trade builder, um, I think it's gotta be Carlo. I don't have anything against Carlo. No, I, I, I don't disagree, but it almost has to be Carlo. Um, because you're Carlo's a right defense. And on that side right now, you have you obviously McAvoy will get to play his natural side. Um, Lindholm will stay doing whatever he pleases because he's doing so well right now. Who's this? Lindholm. Oh, yeah. Lindholm. Yeah. Um, and that really means and you you still have the flexibility of Lauko and I mean, Zaboral and Clifton both playing. Um, both right and left defense. Uh, I mean, if you really, 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 really want to move a left defenseman, it's, it has to. It almost has to be Grizzly. As much as I think that there's really only two years between him and Forbert, but for cap purposes, six hundred thousand and change more room to move Grizzly. Plus, there's plus neither Grizzly nor Carlo have any sort of movement limitation. It's two point six million more to move Grizzly. Yeah, Connor's on. Connor's in the last year of his. Oh no, no, 
moving Connor Clifton doesn't do anything of value. Right. He's on a one. He's on a one million dollar contract. That that's just not enough gap. No. Um, if you're talking about moving Grizzly or Carlo, it's only half a million dollars between the two, like you said. Okay. Uh, it's left defense versus right defense. So if you move Carlo, then yes, you got McAvoy on his natural side. Uh, you're gonna pair him with Lindholm, most likely. Leaves Forbort and Cliffy together, and then you've got Grizzly and Strawman and. Grizzlick, Strawman, and Zaborl, and you can what? You, you can platoon basically those. platoon Zaborl and Strawman. Yeah. Um, and you know if Grizzlick gets injured, you give um, maybe you give Riley a couple of games, or you give Callahan a couple of games. Um, Are you really gonna sit on Riley in the minors for the entire season? Wow. I mean, ideally they move they move him as part of just clearing cap space. I mean, if you can, if you can legitimately move Riley and, and Felino or Smith and get more than a second round pick and not have to retain any salary, you're winning. Okay. Um, if you can add one more player to that and get back a prospect or a second, second round pick, you're probably that's probably the best you could absolutely hope for. I mean, the only other possibility, and I don't, and I legitimately don't see it happening, is you get McAvoy cleared, and then you move him. <laughs> you hear that, everybody? Trade the Hall of Famer. <laughs> I don't. Hey. As I said, I do not see it happening. I'm I don't not see it happening either. Too. Actually, suggesting it, although I will if someone wants me to. Um, I hey, we suggested that they trade Tuca many times, so made but, people cry. Made people cry over that one. But I mean, here's the thing: grown men. You've got this year and next year where he has no movement. There is no movement restrictions, and then you have four years of no movement clause. Um, if you think that this sort of injury is going to become chronic and going to cost you a month and a half of his his play a, a couple more times, it's something that, as a general manager or president of hockey operations, yeah. you have yeah. to consider. Yeah. You Particularly when you get to next year and you're into the really fat portion of his contract, where his total salary is 11 and a half for the next three seasons. Um, and then 10 for the season after that, uh, before winding back down to seven and a half or so. He's got you have to find a willing trade partner. He's got um, one of those heat death of the universe contracts. I mean, it's a, it was an eight year contract when he signed it, but um, I mean, theoretically just spitballing. Yes. If this particular team has decided that they're going to avoid using the term rebuild and want to retool on the fly like every other team claims that they're doing, maybe you ship it to Long Island. Oh, and send him send him home? Send him home. 
sell some more tickets for the Islanders. Maybe you get Noah Dobson in return. Um, maybe it's Noah Dobson and a couple of a couple of picks and and or prospects. Because you're talking a good chunk of uh, a good chunk of salary difference there. It's like five million, I want to say. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, Noah Dobson is at four million, so it would be a little over five million in cap difference. You're gaining several years. They're both right defensemen, so if you really want to bring him in and put him on the top pairing with um, with Lindholm, you can give that a try for a little while, or Maybe you move Grizzly up and have him play the off his offside and play with with. Uh, I mean, is it Lindholm for a little bit? The problem is, is it something that? And I know we're just spitballing here, but is it Absolutely something that the spitballing? Is it something that the Islanders would even consider since they already are giving uh, eleven million dollars a year to Pollock and Pellick? I think if they want to, almost twelve. In theory, if they want to attract useful free agents. It's worth trying. Um, do I think it's going to happen? Would not hold my breath. No, and I I don't honestly believe that the Islanders would give up on Dobson at 22 years old, but it would be certainly fun to see that. Well, is that really giving up when you're trading for a legit all-star over a young guy who hasn't quite proved himself yet. I mean, yes, he had a 13 goal season, um, a hall of fame, a hall of fame career in his third year in the NHL. <laughs> um, another interesting place that loves to collect defensemen, uh, you'll guess right away, but imagine having your top four be I know you're in no it. particular order. Uh huh. McAvoy, uh-huh. Yossi, McDonough, uh-huh. yep. and Eckholm. Yeah, I knew that's where you were going. You're right. <laughs> I had already I had already had the Nashville Predators up on the screen. <laughs> and admittedly, you you again you still have to do some cap magic because they're they've got about the same amount of cap space as the Bruins have. Gee, you could bring back Jeremy Lozon. <laughs> I didn't ever really want to lose Jeremy. Lozon. I know that's why I said it. I know. <laughs> um, and your boy UC Saros is there. We could we could flip him for Swayman. Nah, UC Saros is 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 a number one goaltender, and if they brought him here, how do you how do you sit down the best goaltender in the NHL right now? I, I'm not sure on that one. Um, exactly. Or you just mean you're not sure that he's the best goaltender in the NHL right now. I I didn't actually say that. <laughs> you're right. You were conveniently vague on which one you were referring to as the you can see that right now. <laughs> I, I, I'd love to have Saros in a Bruins uniform. Uh, I think that he's better than his numbers bear out, but uh, making the same amount of money as Olmark and I don't see it happening, but yeah, you could bring back a Lozon. You could bring, uh, I don't necessarily want Borowicki and somehow I think they'd want to include him in the deal. 
See, Borowicki, I think... I, I know I'm saying his name wrong. I apologize. I think adding him to Clippy and Forbert would be a lot of fun, but I don't think it's necessary. Uh, his physicality is a lot of fun to watch, and unlike Gudas, he doesn't take anywhere near as many stupid penalties. He he has been known to do so, but I think that, yeah, I, I, I don't know that they're as dense as as Mr. Gudis, although he's been kind of quiet the last couple of seasons, so. Well, he's known he was getting into the playoffs, and <laughs> playing in Florida seems to make everyone, every every hockey player, just a little bit nicer. Um, oh, okay. The Blackhawks are, of course, in the news again, not just because they're mysteriously in a playoff position, uh, but because there's the speculation about what's going to happen with their two legit first ballot Hall of Famers. Um, mm-hmm. Jonathan Tays, Patrick Kane, both UFAs at the end of the season. Um, and it's, of course, been more than 10 days since anyone talked about it. So it's time to talk about what's going to happen with these players really, really soon. Um, there's speculation, like uh, like actually we talked about, I think, two weeks ago, three weeks ago that Kane may actually stay and chase the chase Makita's record. Yeah. Um, there's speculation that he will be traded to a number of teams, um, which I found pretty interesting. Uh, but the speculation that Taze will not actually stay in town and will continue to play after his, if he leaves, if he leaves town this year, um, that I found a little bit surprising because, I mean, Jonathan Taze has been, it, it's, he hasn't, he's not the type of guy who goes out and uh, makes himself visible elsewhere. Like they were speculating that he might go to Edmonton, which, or, which I've seen in a couple of different articles and which I find hilarious because the last thing they need is another forward. I mean, sure, you could probably play him at defense and do better than everyone not named um, Darnell Nurse. Darnell Nurse, but yeah. <laughs> I still don't see that as a relevant reason, even nor do I consider um, the fact that Duncan Keith is part of their front office a valid reason for him to go there. Uh, as a player, should he decide to continue? Um, so d- what are you thinking? What are your thoughts? Out of the out of the two players, I think it's more likely that Chicago would want to hang on to. Patrick Kane, I think he's more offensively proficient at this stage than Jonathan Tays. I also think that the more likely of the two to move is Patrick Kane. I think that I don't know that chasing Stan Makita is what he's all about. I think that he still wants to win Lord Stanley. Uh, bring another cup home. 
So do I honestly think that he's more likely to go to a Colorado or go to a Rangers or go to a, unfortunately Bruins wouldn't be able to pick him up. There's no way they could make him fit, but I did. So you're saying it's not going to be a Kane for uh, McAvoy trade? I think that'd be fun, but it doesn't help them in the, um, in either, in any way cap issue. Yeah. Actually, think, the only other team that I thought of from, that might work for McAvoy if they could make it work somehow, um, and I legitimately think it would be a good trade for for the for the team uh, would be the Blue Jackets. Put him putting him and Wierenski together uh, behind their top forwards. I think it's instantly a noticeably better team. I think they need to work on the forwards a bit more, but okay. I just I, I I think that I honestly think that Taze would be more in the Bergeron mold. I think Taze is the one that's going to want to retire wearing one jersey, one sweater. That one said, mold. Taze is having a definite bounce back year so far. Six points, including four goals in eight games. In all honesty, I think it took him most of last year just to recover and get back up to game speed, game shape, game awareness from his year off. Didn't surprise me. So I was not surprised me. I was not surprised last year that it took him so long to get his first goal, that it took him so long to really wind back in. I think that missing a year is missing a year. And it doesn't matter how good you are or where or what the reason. I mean, memory set, or from what I remember, he has a he had an autoimmune response to almost everything and stress. Yes. Um, and, and stress was a trigger for it. Yeah, it did. It, it. Uh, the fact that he's ba- he made he made it back and just played so many games last year, but the fact that he's back to very nearly a point per game. Um, and of course, Patrick Kane is at a point per game this season. It would certainly make him attractive. I'm not saying it wouldn't. And I mean, he's what, 35 ish, 34 still. OK, uh, for another. Till April, end of April. So, yeah. I think it makes him just as attractive, but. And for him, he's already cr- crossed the thousand games in, a, in, in the uh, Blackhawks uniform. There is literally no way he's not going into their rafters or I can't imagine him not going into the Hall of Fame. Well, both of them are going into the rafters. Uh, I think you could make the argument both of them would be going to Toronto as well. Definitely, definitely Taze. I think that Kane is there as well. I mean, Kane as a winger who came into the league. After the after or and played through the I think the high water mark for goaltending in the NHL mm-hmm. and we've definitely ebbed from that is still over a point per game in his career. He's played eleven hundred and fifteen games. He's at eleven hundred and eighty eight points in the regular season. That's utterly bonkers. He had 92 points last season in 78 games Uh, in the last in that 
in 81 games in the 18-19 season, he had 110 points. There's not many wingers who have crossed 100 points, much less done it twice uh, in the in the time that he's been playing in the league. I mean, it's him, it's Ovechkin, I think Hosa probably got there once or twice. But in the last 10 or 12 years, no. He... Uh, not many. I just, I don't see them at the end of the, at the end of the season. I don't see both of them being in Blackhawks sweaters. I, I think in, that unless they both decide to sign like $6 million, three year deals. And I'm not sure that the club would want to sign either of them for three years or that either one of them would necessarily want to sign for three years. Neither one of them is 35 yet. Correct. Um, 30, Taze will be 35 before the end of next season or the end of this season. The end uh, of this season? He'll turn 35 April 29th. Okay, so he's at 30. So he'll be at 35 plus. So I think you can only sign him to like one or two year deals anyway. Um, And as far as like Kane, he's a year younger, but. <sighs> well, he's actually going to turn 34 in November, so. Yeah, but he would still count as an under 35 contract for if you sign at the end of the year. Yes, he would be. Yeah, so you could actually sign him to three plus or whatever. Yeah, I don't think they'd sign him to a three year deal. I think they'd sign them both to two year deals and say it like five million per. And I don't know if they'd agree to that. You're not getting Kane for five at this point. Not unless not, you're not with the numbers he's still putting up. I I agree. I'm I'm just unless he decides to go someplace like Florida or Tampa Bay and play with Stamkos or um or go to Carolina or something for a sure or for a strong top run. Do you think he's a Do you think he's a deadline deal acquisition? Someone's going to have to have the assets. Because if it's if it's announced that he's available, and, and I'm not saying announced to the public, but if it makes it into general manager circles that he's available at the deadline, everyone who <laughs> thinks they're going, everyone who thinks they can make the deal happen is going to be involved uh-huh. just to drive the price up on whoever gets it. Agreed. Like if if that time comes. Who has multiple? Who has multiple first round picks? Oh wait, Arizona does. Oh wait, <laughs> Arizona has all the picks, but there's. I don't think he's going to Arizona. <laughs> I mean, I think he'd report, but I think he'd be <laughs> absolutely vexed. He'd report. <laughs> that would be intriguing. I'm here. See ya. <laughs> I'm here. Um, I stubbed my. Uh, I ran my uh, baggage into a into a wall uh, coming out of the airport, so I threw my back out and not going to be able to play for like till September. Thanks. Because <laughs> yes, Arizona, actually Arizona does not have multiple first round picks. They have multiple second round picks next year, twenty four. So Arizona actually probably. They only have one first round pick each of the next three years. So, 
I was wrong about Arizona. Who has mul- Does anybody have multiple first round picks? Detroit. I can't. Off the top of my head, I can't remember. Nope, Detroit has. Well, somebody. actually, Chicago actually has more than one. Oh, there you go. So they could trade with no. That that that's foolish. They'd be trading with themselves. Anyway, the point is that I don't. I think that he could be a deadline, but. Wow, the competition would be so high that you better have a boatload of assets. You're not going to have some team like Arizona coming in and saying, "We'll give you two, two third round picks and and some prospect and and have the deal go through." It's not going to happen. Yeah, uh, Sweeneyus will say he's close on the deal, but um, <laughs> he's the only one who would say that. He's close on the deal. We well, made a phone close. call. Yeah. <laughs> I got his voicemail. I got <laughs> I just think that, yes, I think that he has the, I think that he, it's possible he could be just because he's going to be in high demand. His ability to put the puck in the net it is, it, I think the Taze is more likely to finish his career in Chicago. And given given the resurgence that Taze is having so far this season, I don't know. If No, the resurgence is there. what the resurgence is what throws it off. I also don't think that Taze is ready to call it a day either. No, not playing this well. Um, Six points in eight games? No. But the, the just personal gut feeling, I think that if any, if either of them is going to finish their career in one sweater, it's going to be Taze. I don't know that Makita plays a part, and I think that Chicago would rather keep Kane. I hate to say it that way because I think they'd want to keep both of them, but I think if given their if they could only keep one of them, I think it would be Kane and not Taze. Well, I think Kane at this point still sells more tickets and more jerseys, and that's that's got to be a part of the algebra. Yeah. Um, one or two more stories real, real quick. Sure. Uh, Bleacher Report has uh, is, of course, brought up one of those guys in Vancouver who's about to be traded. Still? Still in the trade rumors, um, Lyle Richardson. <laughs> oh, hey, it's our buddy. It's our buddy Lyle again. Uh, potential landing spots. I think we can honestly eliminate at least one, at least two of these, almost right off the bat. Okay, which ones would you like to eliminate? I, I can't see Lamorello pulling the deal, pulling the trigger on a deal like this. See, I um... Horvath to the island. Yeah, no, that's not happening. Yes, they need a strong forward. But, meh. I, 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 I do agree. I do agree with the one paragraph on the island, in, in the Islander section, where it says Brock Nelson fills the second line center position, but he could be shifted to left wing on the first. I think Brock Nelson is a better winger than a center. I've always felt that way about him. I think he's better off not filling the middle. So bringing in Horvat would definitely help him. But yes, I also don't see Lamorello making this deal. 
And I, I kind of don't see the senators pulling this off if they have to give up a player. Because if, if it's just a draft pick or two, maybe. Um, but I think they need more on defense than they do at forward. And while the article lists him as potentially centering Claude Giroux and Shane Pinto or Derek Broussard, one, Claude Giroux is hockey old. Yeah. Two, Shane Pinto and Derek Broussard still haven't figured out which one of them is going to actually be playing, uh, playing the bulk of the minutes. Um, so talking about Ridley Gregg being involved in the deal. I don't think that I don't think Ottawa wants to give up any of their prospects. Uh, I don't think they want to give up anyone off their roster prospects, I think are a different story. Um, the other names on the list. Let's yeah. start with your boys. Um, do you see Bo Horvat, the good Bo Horvat, the OK Bo, Bo Horvat as a Red Wings type player, a Geiserman type player? I think Bo Horvat would be a nice second line center for the team. And the article does point out they're using Cop as a second line center. They are. I think that Hovart is definitely a better center than Cop, and I like Cop. But <laughs> I, when I see Cop play, I think, man, what a what a great third line center. Mm-hmm. Not absolutely top six forward, top six center. Um, glad to see him playing there. I think that um, Horvat makes a. I think that Horvat it would be a very good second line center because obviously not going to move Dylan Larkin down. Um, I think that he also gives you a little bit of protection if for some reason you can't bring Larkin back. Uh, I can see it happening. I don't know what the return would be and what they would expect. I mean, reading the article and some of the, I mean, yeah, parting with Simon Edmondson, not going to happen. Eisenman is very high on Edmondson. I don't know that. I mean, Edmonds, Edmondson could even be playing as early as late this season. I mean, I don't see that one. William Wallander, Casper, eh, possibly. I think they've got the, the 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 key here is that they have the assets. So yes, I think that the Wings are a legitimate possibility. Is it going to happen? I don't think that they're going to move Horvat. I, I, I mean, we have to start there. I don't think Vancouver's going to move him. They keep talking. It keeps coming out in the press. I don't know who's starting all these rumors, but I don't think they're moving Horvat. But I think um, that the wings would be a legit. I think the wings are a legitimate landing spot. I don't think that that's pie in the sky at all. How about Carolina? Just makes them better. I mean, scary already and. They lost Trocheck. I mean, they Trocheck was a rental anyway, but you lost Trocheck at center. You replace him with some. You replace him with a Horvat and possibly sign him and keep him. That's that's honestly the deal to me that makes the most sense. Um, I think, I think if you would, go ahead. No, I was going to say I think if you ask Horvat, I think that he would probably prefer to land somewhere he like Carolina where he knows he's going to be playing in the second season. 
Uh, oh, look, the article even mentions Vincent Trocek. I love when I'm right. Um, that or Minnesota. Like, if he is, if Bo Horvat is completely sick of the media, I think that Detroit is just not a fit. It's still not as bad a hockey as media bad a media market as Boston, New York, Toronto, Montreal, Vancouver. I think but they still, could. I think they potentially could be if they were back in the day when they had the five when they had the Russian five and they were winning Stanley Cups and they had uh, dare I say they had Chris Osgood in net and they had Hashik in net. It, they had a lot of press. I think now the fact that they're a mediocre team on the rebuild, I don't think they get as much coverage as they used to. I think that they have the potential. Being an original six team, being the Red Wings, I think that, yes, once they get back to prominence, they will have that press again. I think right but now. But it's not it's, going to be the pressure cooker that Vancouver is. No, today. agreed. No, it's not. Um, and I'm surprised that we haven't seen him mentioned in connection with Toronto because he is a forward after all. <laughs> yes. Well, he doesn't have a D after his name. So how is Toronto not in his mix? <laughs> um, I don't know that the I, wild, I don't know that the wild have enough to, to land him though. That's my issue with, I, I think the wild is a, is a, another legitimate spot. I just don't know that they have. Uh, I mean, I don't, it does I don't say currency. Yeah, I don't. It does say Garen could be unwilling to move his 2023 first round pick since he's already doesn't have a third rounder. I mean, yeah, I don't know that they have the draft capital or the any capital or the will. Make. Like, do they really need believe to? that this is a player problem? Like Garen moved out players specifically because he didn't like their battle level, their compete. If he if he believes that Horvat is in that category of not having sufficient drive, impetus, whatever you want to call it, um, I don't see him making that move. I I'd be inclined to agree with that. Yeah, I don't necessarily believe that to be true about Bo Horvat. I think he has it, but if you're Bill Guerin. And you're the one actually pushing the button. You you have to go with you have to be at least somewhat consistent about why you pick players up and why you decide not to. Um, looking at them, they yeah they do not have a third round pick, uh, but a lot of their prospects are still young, true prospects. You yeah. know, 22, 23, 19. Uh, you've got Liam Ogren. They've got. Uh, uh, Vladislav, first off, Adam Beckman, all of them 21 or under. Add in uh, Michael Milne, and those are all the forwards. The defense, uh, the defense prospects are young too. Um, you've got, you know, three or four who are genuinely, you know, under 24, under 25. Um, so it might, it might come down to making that making an actual hockey trade, which where you trade a, an expiring contract for players who aren't going to contribute for one or two years or maybe three years 
and you work it and you go from there. Um, quick hit uh, on goaltenders. Devin Dubnik, uh, who played multiple seasons and was one of our favorite goaltenders um, for a couple of those years, retires after 12 NHL seasons. With the 12. aforementioned Wild. Yeah. Minnesota Wild um, is uh, one of the places Saskatchewan drafted 14th overall in the 2004 draft uh, by the Oilers. Um, played there, played for the Predators, played for the Coyotes, uh, Minnesota Wild. Um, you know, solid career. Um, good luck to him in whatever he decides to do with the rest of his life. Um, he's not even particularly old. I mean, 542 regular season games is a lot of that's a lot of pucks hitting your body but he was also one of those goaltenders he wasn't I I don't want to say it was conventional he he he, I think he he like Tim Thomas did a lot of rolling around on the ice and a lot of unconventional uh, saves were made by this man And, and Hey, he won a Vesna and a Masterton Trophy in his career. Um, I'm sorry, Master uh, Vesna finalist um, mm-hmm. won the Masterton. Good, like, see, honestly, go enjoy whatever else you're doing with the rest of your life. Um, you've, uh, with any luck, you've had, you've got, uh, you've invested well, and don't have to think about income for the rest of your for the rest of your life um i want to say that he's part of the reason and i'm i'm maybe getting my timing wrong here i want to say he's part of the reason why kemper was moved away from minnesota because kemper was part of a three head uh, uh three-headed goaltending tandem at one point along with harding and harding who couldn't no, and what was well, it? Harding's issue. Never Backstrom, uh, the goalie Backstrom. Yeah, I I just think that I he's he was that good that they were moving goaltenders out to make room for him because he, he was the surprise they didn't see him coming. So Dubnik, congratulations on a career twelve years, fabulous. It was fun. He was fun to watch. Thoroughly enjoyed it. Good luck in what you do moving forward. Um, not quite as certain a future is Carey Price. Um, Carey Price has spent his entire career in Montreal to date, and he's had a rough go the last few years, um, in and out of mostly out of uh, out of the rink. Um, not necessarily spectacular play when he's made it back to hockey. Um, but then he goes on this un- incomprehensible run and drags Mo- drags Montreal kicking and screaming into the into the Stanley Cup final, <laughs> which was ludicrous. Because he what? It's not even like he had a great year. They were the worst. They were what they were probably the worst team in this in the league 
And because of the way the playoffs were structured, they made it into the playoffs. Mm-hmm. And they squeaked, let's be honest, they squeaked out series wins against teams who either underestimated them or just flat out didn't perform. And he was no. playing well. They dominate. No, they dominated Columbus or something like that. There was one series where they they literally it was either a, it was either a sweep or it was four one or something like that. I, I want to say it was like Columbus or something. They 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 dominated. They struggled in the final because they played. Uh yeah. As my mind completely escapes me. Wasn't that Toronto? No, no, um, Tampa. They, didn't they lose to Tampa? Yes, in that very odd format because northern teams could only play northern teams. Yeah, uh, e- well, each team only played in their division, which was how the <clears throat> so, North Division, aka so for, for the first year ever, you had two eastern, you had two technically eastern conference teams playing in the Stanley Cup, and there was no way they were keeping up with Tampa Bay and. <laughs> Uh, no, they were just not. But yes, Kerry Price dragged them kicking and screaming into the final. <laughs> in a year where they decided to fire Claude Julian in the middle of the season for <laughs> reasony reasons uh, that no one understands. I still have no idea. To, um, but he says he's not done yet. I, According to Carey Price, Carey Price is not done yet. No plans to retire. Um, that's great. But given everything that he has gone through, given the fact that he ended up in the player assistance program, mm-hmm. um... I have to wonder if it's worth it for him and his family long term to risk a resurgence of whatever issues. It was never clarified, and I'm not going to speculate in order to in order to play out one more one more season. Should he come back either next year or the year after or whatever, Uh, because let's face it, he finished his last playoff series. His last playoff run, that 2020-2021 year, yeah. despite getting um, handled as a team, he played well in the uh, in the finals. He still finished with a 924 save percentage in those 22 games. Mm-hmm. I'm sure he believes that that's the play, level of play that he can get back to in the regular season, but his last couple of regular seasons do not support that. Um, most recently last year in the 21-22 season, five games, 878. Previous year, 25 games, 901. Uh, year before that, the 1920, 2020, uh, the uh, 909, 918, 900. He hasn't finished a season over 920 since the 16-17 season. If, like Jonathan Taze, it takes him a full season to get back to uh, to the carry price that he believes he should be should be, 
particularly given <clears throat> the quality of roster that would be in front of him should he reappear on the ice uh, December 7th. Um, how ugly is it going to be in Montreal? I mean, I'm expecting it to be the ugly. The problem is that he doesn't want to retire, and there's one reason for that. He wants to go out on his own terms. I get that. Okay, two reasons. The other one? Um, there's a little trophy that they win at the end of the season. Yeah. And, oh, wait. For the best goaltender in the world to never have won one? That's uh, that's a statement that I've never been able to support, but go ahead. I No, I understand that, but that, that's what he was commonly referred to as. I think that he wants one more shot at Lord Stanley. I don't blame him for wanting to get his To get as close as he did in the 2021 playoffs— and to not close the deal, that's what he's looking at. I mean, I'm reading paragraphs in this article, and it's a, you know, not being able to walk up and down, and that's, not being that's, able to walk up and down stairs pain free with an injury that a knee injury that degenerated and plagued his recent playing days, one that continues to nag him every time he goes up and down a staircase. Possibility of donning his equipment again at this level is fainter than the bottom line of an almost recovered COVID-19 patient's positive test, blah, blah, blah. Possibility is so dim it's not even front of mind. He's 35 years old and his first goal is to get healthy, which I, I, I completely agree. You need to get healthy. But at 35, getting healthy so that you can get back to playing shape and actual playing condition is different than just getting healthy so you can walk up and down a set of stairs. He cannot train at a professional level. I respect the fact that he doesn't want to retire, but he's got kids, he's got family, he's got... At what point in time do you recognize that maybe it's something to consider? I'm not saying to go ahead and do it, but he's not even considering it right now. And let's let's be really, really, really blunt about the team that he was playing with. They scored all of five goals in the Stanley Cup final in five games. They managed to avoid a sweep by having a 3-2 win in game four. Yes. But they scored one goal, one goal. I'm sorry. They scored eight goals in five games. Um. But that's still not enough because <clears throat> the well, Lightning scored eight goals in just the first two games. Yeah, Shea Weber, who was bare, basically skating around on one leg or one foot. Yeah. Uh, I think Gallagher was injured during that season. Gallagher was even, broken. Gall- yeah. I mean, Gallagher is another player. You were relying on Cole Caulfield to put the puck in the net at that point. You had Cole Caulfield and Nick Suzuki (laughs) making literal magic on the ice. As best they could, anyway. Yeah, there wasn't... 
Petri Petri had a had a good playoffs, not great, but and certainly not enough to make up for the fact that Weber was hurt. It just yeah, it, they were toast by the time they got to the final. And Evans got hurt in that. Was it Evans or Bean who was? No, it was J. It was it was J. It was Evans who got yes, destroyed by Shifley. Or Shifley blew him up, rather. Yeah. Jake okay. Evans done. Shifley blew him up. Yep. You had a you had Romanov who was a rookie defenseman who's now playing with. Uh, now playing with the Islanders. Why you traded him away, I have no idea. I don't understand that move either, but okay, I'm not running the team. I just, I, I, it's not that I don't want to see Carey Price ever play again. I mean, very talented. Yes, the statement of best in the world, whatever. But very talented. And when he does call it a day, it's going to be a huge deal in Montreal. I just think he needs maybe to consider it if he's still in that much pain that he still can't train profession, professional train. And he's it hurts to walk up and down stairs. You got a couple of kids, you got a wife at home. I don't know. Um, last thing, uh, Phil Kessel finally set the record uh, for most consecutive or reset the record for most consecutive games played. Um, he crossed 990 games in a row in the NHL, which is utterly and completely bonkers. It also took him, it also took him two attempts to score goal number 400 or something like that. (laughs) Hey, the 400 club is no joke. Uh, the Vegas Twitter machine was was working overtime that day because they sent out and then they were like, wait, they called it back. But we're not deleting this tweet because we love Phil Kessel anyway. <laughs> uh, 400 goals, 559 points. I mean, the obvious next milestone for him is 41 uh, games <clears throat> points away, which he should easily hit this season um, or should reasonably hit this season. He only had 52 last year for the for the Knights but uh or for the Coyotes but is he a Stan is, is he a Hall of Famer mm. I don't know borderline he's never had a 50 goal season he's actually never had a 40 goal season yeah um he won Stanley Cups as a as a star, but not a superstar. Yeah, he's got he's got my my issue is and, and, and I don't like to make it all about individuals, individual accomplishments. No, for, I think for Hall of Fame, it is about individual accomplishments. And yes. And all he has is a Masterton in, in 06, 07. And the Masterton and was for surviving testicular cancer and getting and that, I'm not not uh, saying that that's not a that's not a uh, that's not a fight. It, it it certainly is. But yeah, he to never have a 40 goal season. The best he's done is 37, I believe it was. Yeah. 
He's done that twice, both times with Toronto. I just, I, longevity says yes, but actual statistics and individual awards, I don't know. So I think it's borderline. I don't think he's first ballot, but it's something that depending upon who's going in that year, it's a possibility. Uh, And people are going to hate me when I say this. Or people outside the market are going to hate me when I say this. If Phil Kessel goes into the Hall of Fame, which I'm actually not opposed to, Mm. I'm on the fence about. I don't think you can not put Brad Marchand into the Hall of Fame. I'd be inclined, I mean, Brad, I'd be inclined to agree, but again, no individual. But yes, if you're going to, he's got, he's, he's a four time All Star. He's a four time All Star. He's played, uh, he's played the international hockey. He's, um, he's topped out at 39 goals, and he was hosed that year with an interesting <laughs> suspension or two. <laughs> hosed. Wasn't there a year where he had – didn't he have 100 points in 100 penalty minutes like a couple 96 years ago? penalty minutes. Uh, it was the 1890 season, uh, 19 season, 100 points in 96 penalty minutes. Um, yeah, then, the, it was the whole thing. Could he be in the – could he be the – could he get to the 100-100? Only 79 games. I think he was also suspended for something um, interesting that year. But he also went – if anyone in played uh, into the Stanley Cup final, that their former coach lost for them. Yes. Um. Anything else we were that I've missed on the board uh, for this week? We have covered everything on the board. Okay then, hockey fans. Uh, I will have a new poll up uh, sometime really, really soon. So hit my Twitter. Um. Don't uh, forget to hit us up during the week. Um, both of us love to talk hockey. Um, you see something interesting you want an opinion on, definitely uh, drop us uh, a message. You can. My DMs are pretty open, um, as evidenced by the amount of spam I get into mine. Um, <laughs> if you're one of those weird people who has my phone number, go ahead, text me the story. Um, I'll share it with Chris uh, in a skinny minute, and he'll respond three days later. And that is where we leave you. Enjoy the hockey. We'll be back. Uh, And uh, drop us a comment or two. uh, And drop us a prediction or two. Take care. Happy Halloween.